Thank you, Matt. What a joy to be here. Now, if I get this close, is this thing going to give me feedback? Excellent. I love it. I am delighted to come up and visit with you. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Our whole family is there in Nashville, and we moved up from Alabama to Nashville to make Christian movies. And I'm sure you've seen our latest one called Jesus Revolution. You like that one? <laughs> we just passed $40 million at the box office when Hollywood said we'd only make seven. And so we are streaking up the ladder. Uh, everybody is so excited. It is taking the country by storm. And I'm so pleased to come up and give you a, a report on what's happening and then at the same time, uh, give you some words that will, I think, empower you guys to take it to the next level. I think it's time for guys to take back our country. I think starting with Jesus Christ, that they can see in the world of America that this country loves Jesus Christ. And he should be the king of this country. And so we want to come up and give you some words that I think... By the time you get out of here, you'll be ready to tear the walls down. That's what I want, because I like what I see here. These are guys, and many of you I spent with the time last night, I said, if these guys put their heads together, there's no telling what they can do. So I want to say a few things that might encourage you and just light a fire just to see what could come out of Bergen County and sweep all across America. You know we're in revival. Starting with Asbury, that little school in Kentucky, only 6,000 people live in that town. It's got two red lights. That's all it's got. It's got that little uh, Methodist school down there. They had a revival with their school, with the students, and 100,000 people made their way because they wanted to touch it and feel it, came to their town over the next two or three weeks. It was the most phenomenal thing that little communities had in 50 years. Now, I remember the first Asbury Revival 50 years ago. I became a Christian in 1969. Jesus changed my life. I was a baseball player in college, and my life was uh, a mess. Uh, I was a free-spirited free fraternity guy my first two years in college, and I, you know, my life just crashed. And I came to wit's end. And I decided I need some help. And I went to my dorm room, got down on my knees, and said this clumsy prayer. I said, God, I don't even know if you're real. I don't know if Jesus Christ is real. But if you can make me happy and fix my life, you can have it. Because I'm miserable. I have no other, no one else to turn to. And I said, whatever I have to do, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Forgive my sins. And you got it. And I didn't hear any angels and didn't see any chairs rumble across the floor. But I felt a peace in my heart that I have never had in my entire life. And that was the pivot night in my life, 53 years ago, that changed me and put me where I am now. The Lord has just been so kind. It has been one great 53-year adventure. And uh, I want to show you some pictures. Uh, but I wanted to tell you that uh, I did uh, radio and TV for about 30 years. And then I got into politics. I did two terms as an Alabama state senator, Republican Party, and we were uh, in. We had a great time there. And um, I want to let you know I've been through detox, and I have been cleared to go back into society. So, <laughs> so we're doing good. I'm playing. 
I remember one day I was in, uh, when I was in politics, uh, I would make the rounds to my schools. And uh, one of the schools that I went to, I would give them a community service grant to help them for some unbudgeted items that we would distribute through the state government. I went to one little school and I met the principal at the door and I said, I, I have an extra little community service grant for your school to help you pay for some items that were unbudgeted. She said, oh, this is so beautiful, so timely. We needed it so bad. She said, I want to get a picture of this moment. Would you just stand here and let me run and get a camera and somebody to take our picture? And I said, sure, no problem. So she dashed off and I was standing in the uh, atrium and I noticed there was a bulletin board there, and I thought, well, I'll just look at the bulletin board and see what's going on at the school. So I am looking at the bulletin board, and two little first grade guys are come walking behind me. They couldn't be more than six years old. And they are on their way to the bathroom. And I'll never forget overhearing their conversation. It went like this. One little boy said, hey, who's the dude in the blue suit? And the other little boy stopped put his hands on his hips and said, you dummy, don't you know anything? That's the President of the United States. <laughs> That's what it was like in politics. You have those special moments. But uh, I want to show you some pictures and then I'm going to give you a little background. Uh, we uh, live in uh, Nashville in the Franklin area just south of Nashville. And I'm going to plug this thing in. Hold on. This is why we're here. There you go. This is the uh, Time Magazine from 1972, front cover. We were making a movie in Birmingham, Alabama in uh, 2014 called uh, Woodlawn. Great football movie. How many of you have seen Woodlawn? You ever? Oh, you got to watch Woodlawn. Woodlawn is just unbelievable. We made that movie in 2014, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But this was a magazine cover that was sitting on a table as sort of like an extra little item to date our scenes to show that the movie was reflecting on what was going on in the early 70s in Birmingham, Alabama. My son John saw that magazine cover and he was intrigued. How does, how does Jesus make the front cover of Time magazine? And he picked it up and he read it and he said, I've got to make a movie of this. So he started in 2014 doing the research and wrote the script and directed the movie that you've seen called Jesus Revolution. And it's been one of the most phenomenal movies that has ever come out of Hollywood. It has unbelievably touched America. We're in 2,500 theaters and it is, uh, it is going uh, gangbusters uh, with, um, with this um, movie let me get this thing started right here okay now we got it this is the movie poster uh jesus revolution it stars kelsey Grammer and it also stars uh, jonathan rumi and uh this movie was made about a year ago and it was slated to come out uh almost two or three years ago they couldn't get it made because of covid so they made it a year ago and now it came out and it has touched the entire country uh when they made the movie, John told me, he said, you wouldn't believe the timing of God because we tried everything to get this movie made and it just wasn't going to work. These are my two boys. Uh, John is on the left. He is the youngest. He's the director of the movie. 
And then Andy on the uh, right, he is my oldest son, and he is the associate producer of it. And they made the movie, and they've made now 10 movies, and they have had an incredible run in Hollywood, and, and it is an amazing thing. Um, this is a picture of us. We were out in uh, Dallas, Texas for a, a uh, Greg Laurie rally, and uh, so we were on the field there at uh, AT&T Stadium. That's called Jerry World, where the Cowboys play. And so uh, we were there for that, and it was an outstanding event, and I'm mighty proud of my boys. Um, Andy is my oldest. He is a tremendous force in the movie business. Uh, he can move to Hollywood right now and probably make $10 million starting um, his uh, career out there because he's so good in film and television. So he's the oldest. And then John, uh, who is not only a gifted uh, cameraman, but he's also a good, strong author. And he wrote a book called Beyond Valor about my late father. And I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But he wrote, he writes the scripts and then he directs the movies. My beautiful wife, Sheila, we've been married 50 years and just celebrated our 50th anniversary uh, just uh, uh, last year and just had a quite a time. And so she's been my beautiful wife for 50 years. This is us out in Hollywood for a red carpet about uh, two or three years ago. And that was a wonderful time. And we just have a great time there in Nashville. So she is a beautiful girl and I outdid myself. I did radio and television for 30 years and had a great time and then got elected into politics. And then I served with my fellow governor, Bob Riley, in the state of Alabama as a state senator for eight years representing the Birmingham area. Uh, we have had a great time helping our boys uh, pro promote and push their movies. And so uh, we try to go out as much as we can all across the country and tell everybody about it. Now here's when the boys were little bitty fellas. Uh, this is Andy at the top and John over there on the, uh, on the far side. Andy's about four years older. And when, uh, you know, when you're a dad, you're always training your sons, trying to encourage them and trying to uh, make the best of their lives and get them fired up. Andy, I remember one day when he went to school, he was about uh, seven or eight years old. I picked him up at school and he bounded into the car and he said, Dad, we've got a problem. I said, what's your problem? He said, we got a bully on the playground. He's awful. He's terrible. He bites people kicks people, pushes them down. He's awful, but he doesn't bother me. And I said, wow, is it because of your Christian testimony? He said, no, I joined his gang. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. <laughs> so raising guys is always a challenge. Little John, on the other hand, John was always somebody that if you couldn't hear him, you knew that something was up and you were in trouble. And I remember one time Sheila had to go to the grocery store. She said, can you watch the boys? I said, sure. So I did some work in the den at my desk, and I could hear Andy down the hallway in his room, but I couldn't hear John. He was about five years old about this time, five years old. So I got up and went through the house, couldn't find him. I saw the front door open. I started walking out the front door, wondering if he's gone out. And he comes zooming into the front door, says, Dad. Come quick, I have washed your car. And I said, oh, I want to see this. 
I had just gotten an Audi 5000. It was sitting in the parking lot. And uh, so I go out the front door, and John says, what do you think? Five years old. And uh, I look out there, and he's gone to get a bucket. He's gone out and got a bucket. He has uh, filled it full of water, put some soap suds in it, got him a rag, and he has done a line down the side of the car, a swish here, a wipe there, over and everything. And he's looking at me, what do you think? And I knew at that moment as a dad, whatever I said might influence his life, either good or bad. So I said, you know, that's about the best wash job I've ever seen a five-year-old do. And he said, I knew you'd like it. And I said, but can I give you a little coaching point? He said, what is it? I said, next time, let's roll the windows up first before you hose it down. And he said, I never thought about that. So you're always coaching. That little guy grew up to become a great film director. I remember when they were small, I remember when they were small, they uh, would sleep in a bunk. They would sleep in a bunk in their bedroom. And every night before they would go to bed, they'd say, Dad, tell us a bedtime story. And I didn't want to tell them King Arthur stories. So I said, let me tell you the time when God came down and played football. Ooh. And every night they couldn't wait to go to bed to see the next and hear the next thing that I would tell them. And I would tell them Woodlawn stories. So if you've seen the movie Woodlawn, that's where it came from. It started with bedtime stories. And uh, little John, he, after about five or ten of these stories, he started saying, Daddy, one day we're going to make a motion picture about that at three years old. And I said, well, you go for it. And he pulled it off. Thirty years later, he wrote the script, made the movie. It's been seen by every major college football team in America. It has even been played in the NFL Hall of Fame. It is quite a motion picture. And I was uh, so um, blown away by the quality of the movie they did. Of course, to give you a little background, that movie is about a football team in Birmingham, Alabama, that I, I had the privilege, the Lord put me into that team as their chaplain. They were a team that was full of hate and venom. The coaches hated the players, players hated the coaches, and uh, the players hated each other, and the school was in turmoil, fist fights, knife fights, everything was in the school. And we got invited to go in there and speak to the team and try to uh, tell them about Jesus. And in 1973, there was uh, a tremendous revival starting with the football team. The entire team came out of the stands when we talked to them after school, and all of them came down out of the stands, knelt on the floor, crying like babies, begging God to forgive them, begging God to heal their hearts and take the hate out of their lives and to make them Christian men that love Jesus. They got up off their knees, and you started seeing family break out in that gymnasium. First time ever, we saw white kids get up and walk over and apologize to the black athletes and hug them, saying, forgive us. And the black athletes got up off their knees and went over to the white players, hugging them, saying, forgive me. Thank you for being my brother.
and family broke out in that gymnasium that day and started off this team with a tremendous run, a Cinderella story you, could, you couldn't draw up with Walt Disney in 1973. It resulted in my team captains coming to me in the off year saying, you've been telling us to tell people about Jesus. We want to go over and tell our arch rivals the secret to our season. I said, are you serious? This is like Bloods and Crips in Birmingham. You just, you don't cross that line. But they said, we want to do it. So we called that team. My captains went with me. We went over to that team. They all came and sat in the floor of a recreation center and their whole coaching staff and my captains did the gutsiest thing I've ever seen anybody do. They stood right in the front of them, and they said, we are here to tell you the secret to our season, and it was this, that Jesus Christ changed our team, and we're here to dare you to do the same. Whoa. You could hear a pin drop. All three of my captains gave their testimonies, and they said, think about it. That team was so blown away, they went and had their own revival. And that whole team gave their heart to Jesus because of the daring boldness of my captains to break the ice. That led to 1974, which is where the movie Woodlawn came from. Um, it was a movie that, that, um, that started. Uh, my wife wrote a book about all of the things that happened in the family, and it's called Raising Dreamers. It tells everything that we taught our boys. You can get it on Amazon, Raising Dreamers. And uh, these are the grandchildren. I want to come back to my dad in just a second, but I wanted to get over here to um, Woodlawn. This is Woodlawn. You'll see this. Uh, it resulted in the greatest game in the history of the state of Alabama at the high school level. Uh, both teams, those teams, my team, decided they wanted to play another season for Jesus, and Banks, their arch rival, said, we're going to do the same. And as a result, both of these teams went undefeated in the regular season and met for the showdown for the city championship in Birmingham in 1974. It was the most phenomenal game in the history of the state of Alabama at the high school level. 42,000 people showed up to see this football game, we turned, away, we turned away another 20,000 because we couldn't get them in the stand. It was the most unbelievable high school football game. It's still a legend in the state of Alabama, but it started with this little school called Woodlawn. And uh, we made this picture in uh, 2014. Uh, you'll love this. The first group we showed it to was Nick Saban's team at Alabama. We showed it to Nick Saban's team to see what they would say. And at the end of the movie, the whole team came up cheering and said, we want to do Woodlawn at Alabama. And uh, 24 hours later, we get a phone call from Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He said, we've heard Alabama's seen some kind of phenomenal movie. <laughs> we want to see it too. So we sent it up to Clemson. And they watched it, and their whole team came up cheering, saying, we're going to do Woodlawn at Clemson. And wouldn't you know it, over the next two or three years, it was Alabama and Clemson for the national championship. The most phenomenal story, we had a call in the middle of the season from Temple University over in Philadelphia. The coaching staff called us and said, we're playing Penn State tomorrow. 
We haven't beaten them in 79 years. We've heard about this movie called Woodlawn. Can we see it? Can you FedEx it to us? We've got a pregame meal on Friday night, and we're playing them tomorrow. We need all the help we can get. So we sent it, FedExed it up there. They watched it Friday night, and wouldn't you know it, the next day they went out and beat Penn State for the first time in 79 years. What was really funny at the end of the game when the reporter is interviewing the coach to say, how do you explain that? He could only, he was crying, and he kept saying, Woodlawn, Woodlawn, Woodlawn. They didn't know what it meant, but he did. It was a movie that made their season. And it has been, it's been phenomenal to see this movie. I've shown it all over the United States, and, and uh, it has been great. Sean Astin, who played Rudy. Uh, Sean played me in the movie, and uh, we had a tremendous time with it. And he came down. He loved playing the role. And this is uh, my two boys. When we filmed this at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama, the whole stadium 42,000 people came in there for that high school football game, and we filmed that on location. Uh, we got John Voigt to play Bear Bryant, and he came in and did an incredible job. I mean, when he came out of wardrobe onto the field for the first time, everybody in the whole film staff went, whoa, he's back. He looked just like Bear Bryant. And when he walked out and he leaned on the goalpost, everybody went, whoa. We had some Alabama players there to watch this, and they said, whoa, Bear is back. So we've had a, a tremendous time. We've made movies for, for 10 years. And this is a statement I want you to see here. This just came out. I didn't even know this. This came out about a week ago, and it said this. John Irwin has achieved four A-plus cinema scores more than any other filmmaker since we've been compiling data. For a director to achieve that accomplishment once is a rarity, but to hit that mark four times is not only an incredible distinction, it's unprecedented. That was Chairman uh, Harold Mintz, who's with CinemaScore in Hollywood. Uh, that is something that John I'm so proud of him, has achieved more than any other director, including Spielberg and Scorsese and all of the guys in Hollywood. So this is a faith-based director of the movies that we want to make. I want to uh, use all of this now to uh, tell you a little bit about the uh, movie that we're, we're currently showing. Let me go over here. Um, this is the, oh, okay, go down here. All right, I'm going to show you a little video, okay? All right, it'll start in just a second. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, all right, here we go. It's a story of finding yourself, finding your way, finding faith. I just think it's going to be so uplifting. There's comedy, there's tenderness, there's complexity with all of the characters. The production value is incredible. It feels like we've just been dropped into a moment in history. Audiences are going to get a strong message of love and hope. I hope people feel tearful and joyful all at the same time. 
and maybe inspired to rediscover their own faith. It's been seven years to the screen for this movie and every other movie that we've made along the way, Woodlawn, I can only imagine, I still believe, American Underdog, it's all been leading to this. I remember discovering the Jesus Revolution Time Magazine cover story. And it was like unearthing this gem and that led to this whole exploration. I wanna meet people that lived this. Come to find out Greg was a teenager, as was his wife, Kathy, at the very origin of the Jesus movement in Southern California. The Jesus movement was an awakening. Not only was it the last great American awakening, I think it may have been the most significant of all. It's this beautiful fusion of Greg's coming of age story, this hippie street preacher, Lonnie Frisbee, and a down and out pastor who's pretty much lost everything. And to see him open up his doors to these hippies, that completely changed everything. I think so many of us that were drawn into the hippie movement really were searching for something more. Greg Laurie, at the time, is the lost soul. He's looking for truth, and he finds it in all the wrong places and in one right place. Have you decided? Uh, um, I, I don't know. You want to decide right now? One of the things that excited me most about the script was the theme. The theme is loving the other. I think that's what our world needs. I think our world really needs to heal. I think it'll challenge people's notions of the need to be perfect to be a Christian. I want audiences to be encouraged. If they leave the theater feeling encouraged and inspired, then we've done our job. Our country and the world is prime for another revival. I am praying that this movie will bring hope to a generation. I think you're gonna see something on the screen you've not seen before. This story changed our nation and in many ways changed the world. You feel swept up into this movement if a Jesus revolution happened before, it can happen again. Why can't the next Jesus revolution begin right now? Know that if God can heal me, he can heal anyone. If you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see an entire generation searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. We can only walk through doors open to us. In your church, that's a door that's shut. So I ask you, Pastor, what would it take for you to be desperate? Seems the movement's everywhere. It's spreading like wildfire. Let's see what God has in mind. All right, that's Jesus Revolution. That tells you what's happening here. And uh, I want you guys to see that because churches are buying out the entire theaters and they're taking their young people to see this movie. And it has had a tremendous impact. People are coming out of there crying, not crying sadness, but crying happiness. They've seen something that has inspired them. And guys, I'm here to encourage you. Uh, whether you know it or not, America looks to this area of the country for leadership. 
whatever happens here can affect the rest of the country. It always sweeps out of New York in this area because people look to you guys as the leaders, the wisest of the wise, the tallest of the tall leaders. They look to you, whether you realize it or not. And I want to take one last minute to encourage you to dream big of what you can do here in Bergen County to help people come to Jesus Christ, to help men get right with the Lord, to find Jesus in prayer and start the next wave of this massive revival that's in progress out of Bergen County and sweep across America. The Lord is looking for a group just to stand up and say, follow us. And I believe you guys are the guys that can do it. All the Lord is looking for is somebody that says, I'm in. And when you do that, amazing things can happen. I remember when I was working with this football team at Woodlawn, uh, they were not a very good football team, and I had to think of something that might make their season more purposeful because they were going to get slaughtered every Friday night. They just were not any good. And I said, guys, let, why don't we try an experiment? I don't know if you can do it. I've never seen any football team do it, but why don't we do an experiment? Why don't we try to use the simple game of football to tell people about Jesus? And they thought about it a little bit. And they said, okay, let's do it. So they decided to play the 1973 season as an experiment to see if they could use football to tell their their classmates, their city, their county, everybody about the greatness of Jesus Christ. We went out and played our heart out on opening night, and we played a team off their feet for almost 48 minutes. And in the last minute of the game, they mounted a last-minute drive and scored with seconds left, and they beat us 7-3. to three. We went back to the bus at Legion Field and got on the bus. I sat next to the head football coach, Tandy Geralds. He sat on the outside of the front row. I sat next to him. The driver was right there. When I got on the bus, there was an eerie quiet on the bus. You could feel it, a coldness, quietness. It was in a dark, the bus was dark but all of the players were still in their pads and they were on the bus and nobody said a word. When I sat down next to Tandy Geralds, he immediately jammed me in the ribs with his elbow. He was so mad. He said this to me. He said, you've got to speak to the team. They believed all this stuff about Jesus. They were playing for him. They went out tonight and they played their hearts out and they got beat. And the reason they're so quiet is because their hearts are broken. They thought they were going to win. They thought Jesus was going to help them win. And you got them into this. And they're in danger of walking out on me. And he said, you got to talk to them and you got to do it right now. I said, whoa. <laughs> so I said a quick word of prayer. And I turned and looked straight down the aisle. And I said these words. I said, fellas, there's one thing I didn't tell you about making a commitment to Jesus Christ. 
it's this. That any time you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, there's going to be a test to see what you're really made out of. And if you thought by getting Jesus into your heart, you were going to get a genie on your side to help you win football games, it ain't going to work. Because God is not going to be a genie. He's not going to be a rabbit's foot. He's not going to be a lucky charm. He's going to be God. And if you're going to play for Him, then you're going to have to give Him praise when you win, and you give Him praise when you lose. So make up your mind right now. If you want a genie, we might as well go home and fold up because it ain't going to work. God is not going to be a genie. But if He's going to be God, make up your mind right now. And I just stood there for 20 seconds. Nothing was said. And then from the back of the bus, a voice, I, had, I still don't know after 50 years who said it, but a voice yells out, I'm still in. And then on the other side of the bus, another kid yells out, I'm in too, I'm in too. And then it kind of broke the ice. And then everybody started shaking their heads saying, we're in, we're in, yeah, we're in. And then it happened. The Spirit of God came down on that bus and the chant began, all in, all in, all in. And it caught, all in. And they started saying it together, all in, all in. And then it really got hot. They started saying, all in, all in, all in. And then it went Pentecostal. I mean, they jumped to their feet. They started slapping each other on the shoulder pads, screaming, all in, all in, all in. Yeah, we're going to do this. No turning back. We're going to do this. And they screamed all in to the point where they were shaking the bus. It was tipping back and forth. I thought they were going to turn the bus over. They were so excited. All in, all in, all in. And after about 15 minutes, I finally got their attention. I said, all right, let's go home. Let's go to work. And after that, they ran the table, and it was a season that became a legend and became a movie. Now, here's my closing remark. I'm looking for men that are all in. Because when we get men who are all in, they're going to shake this country. When men get all in, People follow all-in men. And when all men and all-in men talk about Jesus, the whole world wants what they got. I believe you guys are the supreme example of what a group of all-in men can be. And I'm here to challenge you to get all-in because we need it right now. All-in men. I want to pray a prayer and we're going to close. I want you to pray with me if you are serious about your faith in Christ and you haven't really tried to get Him to be a genie in your life, but you're really serious about following Him with an all-in attitude, you just pray with me this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for the honor of being able to come up and speak to these men. I believe these are men of destiny. I believe these men right here in this room can change America. I believe that whatever is decided in this room can become a beacon of hope to the entire country. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that today this group here will become men who are all in to follow you the rest of their life, to serve you, to tell your story, to love on people, and bring back hope to this country. I pray that today, Lord Jesus, that they're saying under their breath, I'm all in. I'll follow you, Lord Jesus, wherever you want to go for the rest of my life. Bring your name glory. Whatever I can do, count on me. And Lord Jesus, may your name be glorified. So Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this moment. May we look back on history. If you should tarry 50 years from now, may we look back and say the turning point of our country started there in Bergen County on that Friday morning when those men got all in. So Lord Jesus, do it. Bring your name, honor, and glory. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All in. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Hank. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Talk about passion and vigor and calling. Uh, thank you, Hank, so much. Um, you know, a few words come to mind, you know, boldness, fearless, wow. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for bottling up some of the, the passion and drive behind what your sons are doing. And wow, that, that was inspiring and moving. And um, I, I love that rallying cry, all in, wow. Uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for such a time as this, to be all in, to be passionate men of faith, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, this um, drive and, and this uh, message from Hank this morning. Bless him and his family and, what, and the work his sons are doing, and bless this group, Lord. I pray this is a catalyst and the beginning of a fearless uh, drive uh, for bringing back this country and bringing back to this area uh, in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for coming out. Uh, Hank will be here for a while, so if you want to hang out, hear some more stories, he will be here. Um, so thanks so much. Have a great day.